A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 159 of Confessions of a Marketer, Ageless Creativity. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. This time, I have a really important discussion with Ian David on ageism in advertising and marketing and his collective called Fearless. Next time, Naira Perez on Instagram Stories. And coming soon, Travis Chambers, Marty McDonald, David Etheridge, Nicholas Vandenberg, Keith Cartwright, Ritus Loris, and Michael Mathias. That takes us through the end of August. And then we're planning some really interesting discussions for season four, if you can believe it, of Confessions of a Marker. As always, and as I always say, stay with us. Lots of fun in store. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, on to Ian David. Ian has worked with a variety of the biggest brands in the world as a copywriter and creative director. A couple of years ago, he found himself out of work and was sending out resumes everywhere and got little response he realized that it was because ad agencies are obsessed with youth. So after some thought, he created Fearless, a network of freelance ad talent dedicated to helping ambitious clients achieve outrageous goals. On his website for Fearless, he says, ad agencies are obsessed with youth. We're obsessed with talent. We have a chat about his background, the underpinnings of Fearless and Ageless Creativity, and how he's organizing Fearless, what success looks like. Also, how he sees the need for big thinking increasing as we hopefully emerge from the COVID lockdown sometime soon. There's a lot more to. If you're of a certain age, really, if you're of any age, this is an important discussion. Let's get to it. 
Ian, it's great to have you on. I think this is a really important topic. Can you give me your background and tell me about ageless creativity and fearless? Yes, I am a copywriter and creative director. I've been um, in the biz for about 30 years. I got downsized out of the, an agency I'd been with for 20 years in the southeast about a year and a half ago, and I was um, I became a freelancer, essentially. And I was getting a certain degree of work, but I kind of felt like I was kind of not really operating at my full potential. Yeah. So a lot of my peers around me were in the same position. They'd got to a certain point in their life, a certain point in their careers, a certain age, and they were finding doors close to them. And they felt that they had still a lot to offer and were just kind of feeling a bit ostracized. So I set Phyllis up. I mean, after a while, I kind of got a sense that, there, I mean, I applied for, I was freelancing, but I was still looking for work in terms of like a full-time in, employee. And I must have written 300 to 400 letters or email things to various organizations, big companies, big agencies, small agencies, middle-sized agencies, agencies near where I lived, agencies in New York, agencies in London, agencies ev- everywhere. Yeah. And I wasn't getting anything. I mean, I thought myself, like, I, ha- I should be getting something. I wasn't the most... I'm not the most awarded creative in the in the entire world, you know, but I'm the, I'm not the worst. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. You know what I'm saying? I should be getting yeah, yeah. some kind of response to some of these things, some of these things. Out of 300, you think, well, if I got 30, you know, that would be reasonable. But given the market, very competitive, there's a lot of good people out there, but I wasn't getting anything. So I kind of saw, sensed that there was something else going on. And rightly or wrongly, I kind of concluded that there must be some degree of agency going on here. So eventually, I kind of, and I'd, I'd been thinking about other things at the same time. There was a whole bunch of thoughts in my mind about working with the people I know. You know, the kind of work I was getting was basically all based, based around copy. But I thought myself, yeah. I thought myself, if someone, brand or client or someone I knew, wanted came to me and asked for something bigger, they came to me and asked for perhaps a multi-channel campaign that worked across social, outdoor, TV, radio, I could do it. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do it all myself, but I could pull together the players, the necessary players to make it happen. Same with a brand values campaign. If a company wanted to articulate who they were, who they are, what they stood for, and do it in a way that made it, could make it manifest, I could do that. I could. There's certain components that I could write myself or execute myself, and anything I couldn't, do or I didn't feel comfortable doing, I could pull in other people. So that's where the idea of like harnessing all the people I know uh, that I've gathered together close to me over the course of a career, 30 year career, started to kind of um, float to the top of my head kind of thing. So basically after a while I got kind of fed up the whole thing and I decided to do something about it. So that's when I formed Fearless at the start of the year. So Fearless is essentially an international network of freelance talent. You know, yeah. everyone's, everyone's, everyone's experienced, everyone's proven, and everyone's essentially a badass at what they do. You know, they're ageless. And that's the thing about it is ageless. We don't care if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, or 60s. If you're good at what you do, you're on the team. The idea is we've got a website and clients can come to us and with an assignment, a project. And then we assign the work based on the need, the need, the skill sets required, the budget. And you know, originally, I was thinking about location, but the more I think about it, the location is not necessarily mandatory. You know, I was thinking about building out these units across the country and across the, across the globe, where you just kind of activate them when the project comes in. Yeah. And originally, it was going to be also based on location, but I'm not quite sure if that is quite as necessary as I thought it was. The process of creating the work and executing the work and the payment of the work for the work done would work like any other agency. 
only that we're not an agency. We're more like an ad network. Yeah. A collective almost. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was essentially how the whole thing got started. So can we try and diagnose the problem? Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think ageism is so prevalent? I'm about your age and I spent my entire career trying to gain experience and I have perspective of decades of experience, and yet in some businesses, that's not really valued. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Well, advertising is a strange beast, really, because things that are prevalent in advertising are not prevalent in other industries. Like it's not prevalent in the in the movie industry, for instance, or it's not prevalent, yeah. you know, in, if you're a lawyer, the older you get, the more revered you are. Whereas in advertising, the older you get, the less revered you are. It seems, you know, for the most part, anyway. You know, ad agencies tend to be youth obsessed. You know, the average age of an advertising agency employee is around thirty-five. You know, right. and only six percent of the entire workforce is over fifty. You know, so and you know, yes, there are people in their forties working in some of these larger shops, and, and I imagine they are always looking over their shoulder. Kind of, somebody get like I said, somebody get to fifty, the you know, the game is kind of up to a certain extent. Yeah, and you know, if they are older and still working in the enterprise, they, they probably tend to be higher, high up in the machine, kind of thing. So, in terms of the people actually doing the work, then that that it really is folks in their twenties and thirties, you know. Yeah. And as a consequence, the perspective you mentioned perspective earlier, the perspective that those uh, younger people bring to the business is valid. But it is limited. We, on the other hand, as we pride ourselves on being ageless, so we can draw on talent across across the entire spectrum. Yeah, from twenty two to sixty. Where so we're wide and deep. Where perhaps an advertising agency is more shallow and narrow. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that is one of the, and also you know, like I said, advertising has got this kind of image of being all about the new, the now. There's that famous line about being digitally native, which was kind of like that catch-all buzzword that kind of basically said, if you're over 40, you don't get, you just don't get digital. It's just too much for you, which kind of just drove me mad because, you know, digital, yes, advertising is always changing. You know, it's not like if it was in the 60s or the 50s, it was TV. If it was in the, you know, if it was in the 80s and the 90s, it was the the desktop computer was coming in and, you know, the days of pacing up ads on boards suddenly went out the window. But that's not to say that people can't adapt or don't understand it. So I kind of always found that right. that, that always kind of really rubbed me up the wrong way. Digital is, has got a lot of great components to it, but it's essentially a chant. You know, it's yeah. not necessarily uh, a, a creative discipline. I always think that um, there are certain creative aspects to it, but you know, I, I think the fallacy sometimes with the, with the people who are completely obsessed with all things digital is that they think that its capacity to drop an ad to the right person at the right time on the right device is great. But sometimes I feel I think they fall into the fallacy of thinking that's all you need to do, and that's yeah. that's why you yeah. see some of the digital work that kind of drives perhaps older people bonkers is because some of the work is just really miserable. And uh, to me, it, a digital being a channel, it means that's like any other media. It's like getting the right person in the right spot at the right time is half the battle. Yeah. Once you've bought that right or earned that right, you still have to create something that's going to grab their attention or jump out of them or make them laugh or make them sh- or shock them or make them reconsider a position kind of thing. So again, that's a different perspective on the way things are, how things work, and why they work. Kind of thing. 
Yeah, it's digital, but there's an analog human being still looking at it at the other end, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about how Fearless actually works. Is 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 it um, from from a client perspective and from a participant in your network? How, how does it work? Well, I mean, the general idea. I mean, obviously, we have we have a website, just like any advertised entity, where you can reach out. You can email, you can call, and then the work will come in. I, the way I see it is it, the, all the work would come into a central hub and we'd take on the assignment, we'd gather our core team together, and then we'll just ass, ass, assess this need, what, what it requires, the kind of the right players we, we can assign to it, what the budget is for the, the entire project. So that, that, that may mean you know, we could put more than one team on the project. And, and like I say, perhaps... Originally, I was thinking about location. My so they do. Does the client? This is original. This was in January, so things have changed now. Uh, yeah. Does the, does the client require FaceTime? You know, like a face-to-face component to it. You know? yeah. So, if we're based, based in the southeast, we get a call. It's from a client in Denver. Do we need to put a Denver team on it? You know, originally I was thinking yeah. that there may be a need to like when you come to actually present the work or that you know. There may need to be a component to it where there's actual people on the ground that can actually liaise with the client, whether it's a project manager, creative themselves. So, and then basically that's that's how it works. And now, now the thing is, project is getting is now I'm thinking that there may be almost like pods across the country and across the world kind of thing. So there may be like a um, a New York pod or a Portland pod or San Francisco pod, Atlanta pod. So. There could be more point, points of entry than just the website kind of thing, you know. Right, right. And then that would give the people that um, are designated to be kind of to head them up. That would give them a little bit more autonomy, feel more connected to the whole idea, you know, just make them more invested in kind of thing. And I really do. My thinking is that I do want it to be as autonomous as possible because you know the thinking is obviously these people I'm going to be uh, embracing with this and bringing in closer to the center of the whole idea are going to be people who know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. And so there's there's going to be an element to it where I call up uh, fire and forget, which means you can give them something to do and you don't have to sort of fret about it and think, well, what, how's, I wonder how that's going. You know, you'd be able to set a creative team of projects, say, sell them some ideas in 10 days. And then when they, yeah. 10 days later, you come back and say, yeah, we've got some stuff here that's great. You know, this is going to work, you know. So you lay out your store basically saying, you know, here's a here's a, a network full of experienced people. Okay, your experienced people should know, know what they do and you can trust them. And uh, you can give them a certain amount of autonomy. You can let them get on with it kind of thing. Obviously, there may be a little bit of oversight from the central hub, of the field of central hub. But once once the once the project is uh, assigned and set in motion, I want to give the, the people in charge of it as much. I want to let them run with it, basically, is the idea. Yeah. So I was going to ask, why is it right for the times we live in? And boy, when you say the times we live in, you know, we're recording in early May of 2020 and we're in the COVID era, right? And it seems to me that this concept, this idea of having a virtual team that you can apply to a client problem is ideal for the times we live in. But what, what's the opportunity and what's your feeling on why it's right for the times we're in? Well, two things, really. When I launched this idea in January, which is, you know, seems like forever now. Yeah, it's like 20 years ago. 
right. Um, when I launched it in January, literally the first week of January, I kind of put the first post up on um, on LinkedIn. And you know, the idea of an international network of remote creative talent, you know, the idea of launching that back in January, I had no idea that come April, the entire world and its, and its spouse would be working from home on a sofa in a dens, trying to, you know, get to, get to grips with the various um, video conference capacities, you know. So, but the idea of fearless is always that, you know, we're working from home, you know. It's our thing. It's part of our DNA. It's part of the idea, you know. And if it's not home, it's your coffee shop of choice, you know, just around the corner where, where your only overhead is, you know, a cappuccino and a, and a pastry, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the opportunity, I mean, in the broader sense, you know, the ad business has been kind of, been up in the air for a while now, you know, in terms of like, you know, the big the big companies have been struggling yeah. to get to grips with how to be flexible enough and mobile enough and they're always you know, when they, when it does come to a hard times it's always the more expensive middle that middle the middle meat of the agency is always the one that gets cut first because they're the most expensive. And there's not enough I don't think there's enough value placed on what they have. You know, so for me, the opportunity would be this is, could be a chance for us to reset, you know, to um, seize the moment when everything has been questioned and, and is open to question, mm-hmm. like the why we do what we do and turn it into like, what if we did it like this, you know? So um, right. I, went, I went the all clear sounds, if it ever does, and whatever kind of new normal we eventually merge into. I think what passes for communication methods. You know what? What a pass for marketing norms six months ago. I'm not sure if they're going to cut it anymore. There's going to be a need for some serious big ideas. I think there's going to be a lot of brands and products and services that are going to merge out on the other side of this crisis in a big hole. Yeah, and they're going to be their brands going to be shattered. Their market's going to be all over the place. There's going to be marketing. There's going to be CMOs kind of coming back into the workforce thinking my god how am i gonna how am i gonna rescue this this brand that i'm normally in charge of they're gonna have less resources to do it they're gonna have less budget to do it and they're probably gonna have less players on their team to do it you know so and the, and the need is going to be for i think big thinking is going to be yeah. required more than ever and, and by big thinking i mean like latch the ability to think laterally it's not going to be I think that going back to what you were doing prior to COVID is not going to be enough. The need is going to be so great that they're going to have to think, oh, we're going to actually really have to kickstart this entire business and we're going to need some huge ideas to, to, to be able to do that, you know. So, and that's going to take, it's going to take many things. It's going to take courage to do that, you know, because you're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone and embrace ideas and methods and peaceful thinking that is going to be perhaps a little bit more aggressive than it has been in, in the past or just just more overtly after grabbing market share kind of thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think, you know, I think things were kind of, for some industries and some categories, things were kind of comfortable before COVID, you know. I think, I always think of the car, car advertising, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is going to sound like a generalization because there was there's, there's always great work flowing out there. But in general, I was advertisers kind of been in the doldrums when you consider the, the legacy work from the past kind of thing. And I just think it was um, I, also, it's almost like, you know, certain brands, they have their own center of gravity to a certain extent. They, you know, they always, they've got to sell products regardless, you know, right. um, where they were, they used the word, they would have done. 
Yeah, the most exciting car company doesn't even advertise, Tesla, right? Right, right. I kind of felt that there was a certain case of some of those products were selling almost like despite the advertising, not because of the advertising. I mean, you know, like, because yeah. it's so, it was so innocuous, like, anything that was all about the experience. Think of, think of how many car spots have you seen in, in recent times, and I won't mention any names, but I could have wanted to, where, you know, the spot starts off with a implausibly young person driving a possibly expensive car through an urban landscape they get frustrated by it and they take a you know side road out of the city and before you know it they're up in the uh up in the mountains or they're down at the beach or they're right. doing they're engaging with nature and the uh, basically the online is you know experience the all new xyz bond whatever you know again and i want to ask you what success looks like what is it you know we come out of lockdown we're, you know, a year, two years down the road. What does success look like for Fearless? Well, I think, well, if it can be viable, as a present itself as a viable alternative to an app, the traditional advertising agency, if we can make that work. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty ambitious idea. I'm not saying it's like a completely original thought. I'm sure there's kind of networky kind of operations already existing, but we're kind of, this is a big piece of thinking. And if we can make it viable, so there's a lot of things going for it in terms of like, you know, the idea that we assign just what you need and not what you, no one, no one you don't need kind of thing. So it's going to be pretty lean, pretty mean, but the idea of the work will be pretty fearless as well. There's going to be a, the, the philosophy that we call it is pretty much, is the idea is, you know, be seen or, or die kind of thing. And they, obviously the overheads are going to be far, far less than the traditional agency network. But if we can get it up, as a, a viable alternative to a traditional advertising agency, I'll be happy. That'll be that'll, that'll be success. But also, if we can change hearts and minds within the agency agencies themselves, you know, I don't think advertising agencies are going to change their youth obsessed biases anytime soon. And they're not going to do it on their own volition. I think they're going to have to be forced to. And I think entities like uh, like Phyllis may. Make, make them stop and take take note and maybe just re- readjust their thinking their culture how the, how how they who they employ and why they employ them kind of thing i also think that the clients the clients themselves have, have got a big role to play because i think they are the in terms of changing advertising culture i think when they start to demand to see more diversity you know not you know, obviously in race and gender but but in age as well when they start to question, why am I only seeing people in their 20s and 30s in my meetings? Why am I not seeing, especially when, you know, the average age of the uh, the typical consumer is getting older by the month, by the year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when the over 50 market is the most lucrative market and it counts for almost like 6% of all consumer spending, why am I only seeing people in their 20s and 30s? I'm not saying there's any, there's no validity to having young people in the mix. So of course, I mean, they're vitally important, but not to the exclusion of everybody else, you know. Right. So if, if we can, even if we kind of stimulate the debate enough for that to change, then that's that would be I would count that as a success as well because that is the reason I I kind of launched this whole idea in the first place was to just ruffle a few feathers and disrupt a few things in with that you know so I can get if I can get people thinking in those terms then I would count that as a success as well. Well, you've certainly already prompted debate, and I think it is a societal thing that. 
that we need to discuss out in the open because ageism is an issue that that we see in uh, pretty much every sector of society. And I think you've done your part to get the debate going in the ad business. Well, thank you. Yes, because like I said, to me, it's always the same people that get the chop first as well. You know, like we just obviously the last couple of weeks we've seen all the major shops, all the major multinationals hacking away at their staff. I mean, and it's been pretty brutal. As Cullens go, it's been this this last three or four weeks has been pretty flipping brutal, and it's probably going to be across the board. But you just know that it's that middle tier, the rich, experienced, proven tier that's ultimately more expensive that's going to be the one that's going to be hit the hardest so there's going to be even more great creative and strategic talent on the market that's still got a lot to give it's still hungry still loves basically what they do that's what i keep getting back from yeah yeah i mean like i said when i put some of these things out on linkedin i was overwhelmed by response and some people just you know, want to connect. Some people would want to connect and they'll put a short note saying, how can I be a part of this? I love it. And others would write back pretty long notes, almost like a cathartic kind of like, man, thank you for saying this. I am exactly, I am the target audience for this. You know, you are exactly what you're, what you're talking about. I feel like I'm at the top of my game, but all these doors are shut or closed to me now. It's very frustrating. That Again, that would be, uh, there's a lot of more people on the market and I basically welcome Everybody, you know, yeah. it, again, the criteria is if you're good, you're in, you know, and yeah. <laughs> and it's copywriters, it's art directors, project managers, it's client services directors, it's uh, producers, directors, photographers, it is anyone, the entire gamut of the process yeah. is what I want to invite and offer to clients. You know, it's like, it's like from soup to nuts, essentially. You can come to us yeah. with a, a need, an assignment, a mission, and we can take it all the way through to final execution. Yeah. It's pretty ambitious, but, you know, that's the idea. Yeah. Well, it's a great idea, and I wish you nothing but the best, nothing but success. Thanks for joining me, and It was a great discussion. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on. All right. Next time, Naira Perez on Instagram Stories. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Stay healthy and see you next time. Mm-hmm.